Everybody and welcome to the welcome to this week's edition of the Equalizer Podcast. I am your host Claire Watkins, joined this week by Jason Anderson of Pro Soccer Wire. How's it going, Jason? Uh, pretty good. We're we're into the break, so I feel like we all men- maybe mentally need one. Yes, it's funny. Well, <laughs> break in name, if not really in principle, because we're about to have quite a lot of international soccer to talk about. But yes, today is maybe the day of calm. We've made it through the final match weekend for NWSL before the big international break. Um, and so I think we're just going to talk uh, the table a little bit, even though, you know, last week we talked about how the table doesn't really matter that much. This is still true. Table is still super tight, but maybe give little bits of insight, a little bit of maybe contrast to maybe where some of these teams are sitting versus where we think they could be at the end of the season. So we're actually going to go bottom to top, um, talk about the bottom six, and then we'll do the top six in part two. So the bottom six here, to be clear, there's only nine points between first and 12th. There are only two points between seventh and 12th. So this is really, really tight here at the bottom of the table. We do still have North Carolina Courage with seven points, Orlando Pride with eight. We have four teams tied with nine, uh, bottom to top, Kansas City Current, Racing Louisville, uh, Gotham FC, and Washington Spirit. So these are the teams that are currently outside of um, outside of playoff position. One major caveat is games played. Uh, the Spirit have played 10 games. Uh, Gotham and North Carolina have only played seven. And then the Pride, the Current, and Racing Louisville have all played nine. So, Jason, maybe first general question. Do you look at the bottom of the table here and think to yourself, some of these teams are going to rise. I don't think they're going to be in the bottom half by the end of the season. Yeah, I I think there are a couple uh, that jump out at me. Um, You know, I I know you mentioned the Spirit have the 10 games and uh, the 10 games played more than anyone by, in several cases, by a lot. Um, I still think they're a playoff team. Um, I think the Courage are also going to get there. Um, Their results have been weird. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I think those two, to me, and, and maybe, you know, if, if, if Sam Mewis rounds the corner on her knee injury, which seems to be a never ending saga, um, unfortunately, but if that changes, I think that that takes their, there's a lot of good about Kansas city, uh, mm-hmm. but the results aren't quite there. Um, they could jump in and be competitive there as well. Um, so those are, those are maybe my two, two, three, that I'm looking at for the most part. Um, yeah. Let's talk results a little bit because the results themselves aren't always matching up with the performances, right? North Carolina this weekend shut off for 10 minutes and, and lost the game. Um, mm. They let in three goals at the very beginning of the second half against Houston. Um, and ultimately Houston needed all three, right? They only won, they won four, three, but North Carolina just kind of didn't play for the full 90 though. They did come back and that sunk them. Um, talk about Washington too, right? Washington up to nothing on Louisville. Mm-hmm. And then they let racing Louisville come back. Um, at what point, well, maybe let's, let's break this out into two different things. Are those dropped results in terms of points, a big deal at this point? Maybe I'll just start with the first question. Then I'll ask the second one. So that first question, are those actual dropped points, a huge deal. If you look at the scope of the whole season. 
for the courage, I think not too much. I mean, there's a chance that they finish seventh and Houston finishes sixth. And we all look back and say, wow, those 10 minutes really did it. Um, but only a small chance um, for the spirit. I think you have to start saying they do kind of, yeah. because this isn't the only bad result uh, that they've had. Like as much as I think the last time I was on here, we talked about fatigue and um, I've, if you follow me on Twitter, I've tweeted a uh, ongoing uh, spirit hell spreadsheet about minutes played um, during this run of games that they've had. Um, but you do have to also take into account that they, they lost at home to angel city. Mm-hmm. Um, they've given up that, you know, they also dropped points against Orlando in an even more absurd fashion than this uh, Louisville game. Um, so they have some results that are just, I think, even with the fatigue thing, bad results. And there's maybe now too many of them to say that it doesn't matter. Um, I think this one reverberates a little more. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, obviously the spirit are almost halfway through their season, right? They're 10 games into a 22 game season results are going to start to matter for them though. Obviously I think for them at this point, it means that they probably need to win games in the latter half of the season rather than just get results. Um, Though we all know that they are capable of doing that. Then the second question is, and this goes hand in hand maybe with the first question, which is maybe the results themselves can be overcome. The performances are a little bit worrying though, in, in that it seems like the spirit have caught a little bit of what was ailing the dash last year in that they just cannot close games out. And you wonder, does that carry in to the second half of the season? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it should be a legitimate worry. Um, the Orlando game was a, should have been a like once a season result. Um, but now we have the Louisville game uh, to go with it. We have, the game they lost against the courage uh, mm-hmm. at the start of the month where they were down to nothing. They started badly. And then they came back and looked, you know, as good as they have all, all year almost um, to equalize and looking, they looked like they were going to complete a comeback in those final 20 minutes. And then they let themselves down and give up a, a stoppage time uh, winner to the courage. Um, so yeah, it, it, the fact that it's, it's found a couple different ways to manifest. And those are three different teams that found three different, paths to equalizing against mm-hmm. the spirit. Um, I think the through line on all three of those games is just that this team, for whatever reason, seems to have sort of internalized that these this bad luck that they've had, the the fatigue and everything, it seems to sort of weigh on them and, and take them out of their stride. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Louisville didn't change a lot in what they were doing. They did make some adjustments in this last game. But it wasn't anything the Spirit haven't seen before. And the other, you know, taking tactic aside, the other thing was that they were just trying harder. There was a level of desperation to Louisville. But if you get through about 10 minutes of that, uh, maybe 10 minutes longer, you probably have the game under control at that point. Um, Louisville probably has their own reasons to start thinking like, well, this isn't our day. Right. Um, and instead, they allowed them to continue believing that maybe there was a chance. Um, this game shouldn't have been 2 nothing close when Louisville scored their first goal. It should have right. been a bigger gulf. Um, but that's kind of the spirit's pattern right now is when they play really well, they don't do enough with that time. And when they drop off, it's like everyone collectively has had the pause button hit. 
Well, it feels like you're also describing the courage a little bit too, mm-hmm. right? They have these moments where they look amazing and then they just shut off. And, and it's just sort of this team-wide uh, inability. And, and it's kind of fascinating, right? Because like Denise O'Sullivan scores an amazing goal at the beginning of, of this game against Houston. Um, and, and she's been pivotal for them, right? Mm-hmm. Abby Ursig has been pivotal for them. But then sometimes the spine just collapses in and they get stretched and, and Houston was able to, to take advantage. You know, Elizabeth Eddy scores a brace in like yeah. three minutes. And, and that's almost, that's pretty much ball game. Right. Um, and so I think it's a similar thing where these teams have to figure out, cause we are seeing other teams and we'll talk about this when we get to the top six who are fighting their way back. Maybe if they do shut off for a little bit or are finding ways to grind out the results that they need to, to get to the top of the table. Um, so, so those, those teams we've identified as maybe it's a little bit, uh, obvious, right? They're like the challenge cup teams that did quite well at the beginning of the season, think that they can pull out of it. Mm-hmm. So now Jason, I'm going to put you on the spot here. <laughs> you ready? Yeah. Why do you not think Gotham can, can pull out of the, they are also have quite a few games in hand. They so do. points wise, they're fine, but you're not a believer, not a believer in Gotham. Gotham has five goals in seven games. Yeah. Um, despite being a team that, if anything, their problem should be that they score a bunch and bleed goals. They should be the courage. Right. Um, or or uh, who else is Louisville also has has had that issue. Um, and I also don't see a coherent progression. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like Gotham games don't fall in an arc of any right. kind. They just sort of occur there's a Gotham game right. and it has no connection to the last game um, or a game three weeks ago. There's there, it seems like they're just sort of out there. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that they are trying to, you know, address the problems they have at both ends. Right. Um, but it just, it does not feel like anything's really sticking. And mm-hmm. so every week there's, there's a little bit of a like, well, what about this? And then right. well, what about this? Um Rather than a like, okay, this didn't work, so we're going to modify X, Y, and Z and and see where that goes. Um, it feels a little like they're throwing things at the wall and hoping it works. Um, they also, um, there's a weird, you know, we're looking at the bottom of the table, uh, and there's a weird trend where these teams have almost all been better away than at yeah, home. Yeah, than at you know, home, isn't the that weird? have yeah. lost three at home out of right. three. Um, Gotham has only picked up three points uh, at Red Bull Arena. Um, so that's, that's odd. I don't think that's going to carry on just based on that's how sports work. Um, but yeah, Gotham, I I just, I I feel like, especially, you know, this, um, these games are going to face in the upcoming window here, um, without purse, without Mewis, Mm -hmm. um, without Estelle Johnson, I believe Mm -hmm. is called in for Cameroon. Um, I'm probably forgetting, uh, some people for them. Um, but yeah, that's a lot of players to, lose on that team where it already doesn't feel like there are teams that have a system where you say, okay, they're going to plug in these players and adapt in this kind of way. And I understand what's coming. I don't know what Gotham's going to do, but I kind of don't know what they're going to do with those players, which is kind of my whole point, I think. Yeah, no, I I think that's fair. I think that's fair where it's, if, if the, if the Gotham turnaround is 
at hand. We just haven't seen it yet. Right. Um, obviously they had another tough loss to San Diego this weekend. They lose three to nothing. Um, statistically Gotham stays relatively competitive in pretty much every game that they play. Um, but just the final product is not there. And, and like you said, it's not so much like it feels like a system, like a trust the process sort of a thing. It's more just, they are sort of unclear on, on why it's not super working. And, um, I, I am interested. I think the biggest thing for me is just the same thing that I think a lot of other people have said, which is this is a group full of veterans in Gotham, right? This is Mm -hmm. not a particularly young group. And so it is interesting that they're having trouble figuring out how to turn this into results. Um, okay. So you kind of mentioned your, you know, Kansas city. I feel good. I feel actually quite good about Kansas city where Kansas city is going after their draw this weekend. I thought that that was actually a very good performance from them. Talk about a team that had a clear philosophy, which it's not always the easiest way to play, but they were very much allowing the other team to have possession, um, be really strict off the ball, take your chances, score goals. Um, I think that that will work for them. I am interested to see what happens for Kansas city. Louisville also intrigues me a little bit. Um, and so this is my next question, which is that Louisville obviously has some bright spots, right? Savannah mm-hmm. DeMello is great. I actually think Katie Lund has been very good for them in goal. Mm-hmm. Um, Nadia Nadim's return has been used. Obviously she scored a brace. She's been yeah. kind of the driver of the comeback quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last couple of weeks, Jessica McDonald has been excellent. Um, is there something keeping you from getting too excited about Louisville? Maybe just like a not this year sort of a thing. Is it a lack of a super clear style of play? What, what is it with Louisville that, that makes them a little bit more of a nebulous proposition at this moment? Uh, for me, it's their ability to defend up the spine of the team. Yeah. Um, you know, when you, when you look at the way this game against the spirit went, for example, and the reason I think the spirit should have not just put the game away in terms of the psychology, but just the goals um, the center backs have struggled, uh, for Louisville, I think pretty much all year. Um, and the screen they're getting in front of them, um, has not been anything special. I think it's viable if you have an excellent set of defensive midfielders protecting that area, it just becomes harder to attack. Um, but it hasn't been, um, teams right. are able to get into that area pretty easily. Um, the spirit this weekend, the way that they adapted to, um, Louisville's midfield to leverage to, to get after the center backs ended up just being um, they have normally been four, two, three, one this year. They flipped their midfield triangle. So it was Andy Sullivan underneath um, Sanchez and Feist. Um, and they just created three one V ones. Their triangle was the opposite of Louisville's. And so every time DeMello got on the ball, she had Andy Sullivan all over. Every time they tried to build out through Howell or Olofsson, those two were occupied. They had someone right in their face. Mm-hmm. Um, Bailey Feist, I thought, was a real problem for them in that first half in terms of disrupting their attempts to come through and also, you know, breaking up, uh, breaking through their defensive midfield in various ways. Um, that is kind of a long-term issue because that that comes down. I don't think there's a way to work around that. I think they're already doing what they can. Right, which is issue. bring bring Howell along, right, as right. much as you possibly can, right but it's not something that's going to get a quick solution this year. I mean, outside of a transfer market situation, um, you know, that that's, if I'm, if I'm Louisville and I'm looking for acquisitions in this window coming up, that's where I'm looking is, is center back um, and, or 
um, a, a holding midfielder who can maybe someone, you know, maybe someone who can let Howell roam a little more where yeah. she doesn't have to be the primary defensive uh, presence deep. She can actually go be a ball winner. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but that's not what they have right now. It's kind of the opposite setup where Olafson's more of an eight and right. Howell has to be ball winning, going closer to goal rather than maybe being able to move forward um, and be more aggressive. Um, so I think that's the dynamic that has me a little, you know, I, I don't think Louisville's bad. And obviously with Nadim coming in and being such a spark for them over and over again, that's going to improve because she's going to be able to play more minutes. Right. Um, McDonald seems to know where Nadim is going to go. We saw the two assists this mm-hmm. weekend. So um, they're going to score their goals. Uh, even, even after CC Kaiser uh, was traded away, the goals right. are going to be there for them for sure. It's just, can they keep uh, these score lines from being high scoring games often enough? And right now I, I don't think they will. Yeah, that's fair. It's also interesting too, because that was the identified weakness point over the off season and the roster has changed so drastically, but it still just is, it seems like teams can scout for, for Louisville similarly to the way they probably did last year as well. Um, despite having probably more <laughs> defensive responsibilities, cause they do have some, they have some, they have some ballers on that team. They're, mm-hmm. they're fun, fun to watch, but I think you're right. I think it's just not, it's rare to have success in this league without a very, very firm spine down the middle. Um, and I think that that's where you're seeing the difference. Um, okay. Last one, last one for this segment here. We do need to talk about the Orlando pride. Um, we did not last week was a little bit us women's national team focused, So we didn't get into sort of the off the field stuff with Orlando. Um, many of you listening probably already know, the uh, head coach Amanda Cromwell and assistant coach Sam Green were suspended per an investigation, collabor- a collaborative investigation between the NWSL and the NWSL's Players Association into a uh, an issue of retaliation. Now, as with the Clarkson suspension, have to say, right, this is not a finding of guilt at this moment. It is just an investigation of a concern. The team buys Amy Turner's contract out this week which resulted in their trade freeze being lifted. All we have is that information, but you have to think the two things are likely connected, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Turner had been playing well for Orlando and was clearly beloved by her teammates. Now, (laughs) in the three games that Orlando has played, I, in the last three games, I Mm -hmm. think they're at goodness, a, a negative 11 goal differential, 12, 12, a negative 12 goal differential. They lose six to nothing to Portland this week. Last week, they lost one to nothing to Chicago the weekend prior. It was five Mm -hmm. from the Houston dash. Jason, what do they do? (laughs) I, I don't know. Um, I really thought the, their draw against the spirit, the unlikeliness of it, the fact that they had to dig so deep, um, and kind of it, it was at home. So they got to have that moment in front of a crowd that was happy about it. Yeah. Um, all of those things, I think, should have been galvanizing. Right. Um, and they come out, uh, what, six days later and lose five nothing in Houston. Right. Um, and it's 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 one of those things where you get a positive, you, a seemingly positive thing and it comes it's followed immediately by such a bad thing happening right. and it, it like doubles down on that bad thing. Um, and so their game against Chicago, they just, they didn't have much to offer despite mm-hmm. having plenty of time to rest for that game. I think they got a little over a week. Right. Um, 
And then they come in against Portland and it was just a complete debacle from the start. They were, you know, uh, Aaron McLeod made three or four really great saves yeah. and they, st- they still lost six, nothing. Um, so it seems like it's beyond the talent issue, which I think they had coming into the year that they were giving away uh, some, something on that category to pretty much the rest of the league. Um, but now it's also a morale problem. It's a focus problem. Right. Um, you know, I, it doesn't seem like a team that is a good place to be right now for anyone, because even if the players all still get along, you've still got this off the field cloud of this investigation. You've still got um, a player that most of the team seems to publicly say they really like now she's gone. Right. Um, There's just not, uh, it's not one thing that's going to solve it. And it's not, one window that's going to solve it. Um, this is a team that is a long way on and off the field from, uh, frankly, from being competitive. Um, yeah. I know they're in 11th right now, but I really don't expect it, it, There's just nothing. There's no reason for me to think it's going to, maybe it, it won't be five, nothing It's six, nothing. That's right. not going to happen a lot, but it's not, it doesn't seem like it's about to become anything, but a, another season of real pain for Orlando fans, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that's the most disappointing for me, right. Is just that I really feel, I feel for the players that have been there for years. Mm -hmm. I feel for the fans who have supported the team for years. Um, it, It feels like just a constant cycle of new coach, win a couple games, something goes wrong. Season goes South new coach, win a couple games something goes wrong season goes south players leave like it just Mm -hmm. and it's also just one of these things where I think you watch from the outside and you think someone's got to do something but but what can you do you you we obviously for the most severe off the field issues there is an investigation going on right Mm -hmm. but you the league can't create that culture for a team um and and it is a it is a closed system right so if you have a team that consistently struggles like this time becomes a little bit of a, a flat circle and and yeah. it's uh it's it's tough to watch is what i'll say and you know what's interesting is that you know a few years ago um when orlando was having a bad season um you could kind of if you followed their MLS team at all, you could say like, well, that's also not going well. That's also kind of a bad situation, but they're on that side of the organization. They're actually, it's two or three years now of pretty good. Um, They're well run. They seem on the ball. They're in a playoff position, um, that kind of thing. Um, So it's, it's possible within the broader structure of that organization to have some success. Um, But for, you know, I know they came into the season and, they are doing a rebuild. Um, Mm -hmm. That was pretty clear from their off season and it was necessary. Um, I think that was the right choice was to say like, we need to rebuild this thing and it's not going to happen in one off season. Right. Um, But I I think there's, it's more than just a roster rebuild in terms of we need to improve at this position. Um, There seems to be a massive cultural problem that really, if you're, you know, anyone at that, that club on the stalker side needs to, really consider um, what they've done and, and what, whether it's a good idea or not, because these, these kind of like, it's one thing to have a a bad run, right? Right. Every year, someone in the league is going to be the bad team. Sure. Um, But five, nothing, six, nothing on top of all this other stuff. um, 
you know, even, even before that draw, it's four, two at home against yeah. Chicago. Um, these are the kind of results that are like the wheels have completely fallen off in a right. way that's beyond, uh, you know, we need a better left back or something. Uh, right. this is a, wow, this mix is not working. Like everything is not working. We need to like, it's like if someone were to buy a house and try and try to restore it. And really you just need a tear down and rebuild from the ground. Yeah. And again, it's, you can't, you can't fix the plane midair, right? There's yeah. that issue as well. We're in the middle of the season. What, what can you do? Certainly transfer market probably isn't super bullish on the pride right now. Right. Right. Um, you have players where when you see five, nothing, six, nothing, you think, well, they've completely lost the locker room, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, I don't know what you do other than hopefully they have a really nice week off and they come yeah, back. They could use it. They yeah. Could use it. Feeling rejuvenated and ready to go. Um, uh, yeah, because, I- because this is stating the obvious, but there are some basic things that maybe will not win you the game, but it will not be five or six, nothing. Right. Um, and, and that is, I think, what you have to do to maintain a level of competitiveness. Um, so on that note, that has been the bottom six. We'll be talking about the top six in just a second after this break. Welcome back to part two of this week's edition of the Equalizer podcast. I'm your host, Claire Watkins, joined this week by Jason Anderson. Going to say the same thing I say every week. Please give us a rating and a review. Five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Give us a nice review. We read them. We might tweet them. Who knows? Uh, it helps people find us. It, it keeps us on, on the top of the page. And that's really useful um, as we try to break down NWSL Action Weekly. So top of the table. Now, again, it's actually a little bit wider groups uh, group one through six, rather than seven through 12. It is five points uh, between first and six. These are our playoff positions. So starting at the bottom, angel city has 13 points. They are tied with OL rain who also has 13 points. The Houston dash have 15 Chicago and Portland have 16 and San Diego is still on top with 18 points. Now, Maybe we're we're just going to go hand in hand here, possibly with the Orlando conversation from part one Um, point points are points. Right. And and that matters. But the score lines that Portland is putting up right now indicates if we're doing like a power ranking sort of a situation or a trending watch out for the thorns. Right. They're they're kind of on another level right now. Yeah. And, and, you know, the easy answer there and, and probably also the correct answer is Sophia Smith um, is a major factor there um, because she's, she's not just scoring a bunch. She's scoring goals that not too many players in the league are producing right now. Right. Um, They're higher degree of difficulty, lower expected goal chances. um, And she's putting them away, which is great for the national team and great for Portland. Yeah. Um, But yeah, uh, I, I, one thing that's gotten in my head about Portland lately is, most of the teams in the league look fatigued and in need of a break. Mm -hmm. And I think the way Portland approaches games, which is Mm -hmm. a little more measured Mm -hmm. and a little more like we're going to bottle you up and make sure that when we get our looks, they're going to be good looks. We're going to be not just having shots from outside the box, even though Smith keeps putting those away, 
Um, but when we get a chance, it's going to be somebody is in behind inside the 18, mm-hmm. that kind of chance. Um, or our set piece design is going to be really good, like that kind of stuff. I think a lot of other teams are just not, they're mentally prepared for the regular NWSL stuff, mm-hmm. but that ability to, to send people in behind frequently without having to commit to a high press very much, without mm-hmm. taking a lot of risks defensively, um, I think it has been really the perfect recipe for the league as it is right now, as it right. has been for the last month and a half. Um, it, it really seems to prey upon the weaknesses that a lot of other teams are showing right now. And that it also means that Portland is better when they get that one goal lead and the other team starts to open up and take more risks. Right. Portland just finds more opportunities to play in behind from deeper positions um, and they get bigger chances that way. So um, it, it, I don't know that it was, I don't think they set out saying, you know, if they did say, if we play this way for the first half of the season, it's going to be great because the other teams are going to be so tired. We've seen right. their schedule. Right. Yeah. Um, if they thought of that, then we should all be very afraid of the mad genius. Right. The, the Machiavellian machinations yeah. of Rian Wilkinson. But they have done like, even if, even if that weren't the case, if it was just like, well, this is the way we want to play. We think it suits our team the best. It has been very effective. And yeah. in the early going, it seemed kind of, dry and and kind of uninspiring it was effective but not very fun um but they've started to get better at it and now you're seeing a little more of the fun factor come in um so yeah they they look like the strongest team in the league right now i think i mean as you were talking i'm like i'm I'm looking at these teams and maybe the top four or five and i think there is an element of pragmatism to all of them in different ways right Mm -hmm. san diego is is very aware of its of their Casey Stoney is very aware of her team's strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. and the game plan is to shore up weaknesses and play to strengths and that has worked for them consistently they also are on um 10 games played so they're also also um almost halfway through their season mm-hmm. uh i don't know maybe you credit the coach for, for recognizing this, but Naomi Gurma has been incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, Abby Dahlkemper being out for as long as she had should have sunk this team. And it didn't, um, is it different maybe with Kaylin Sheridan out? We'll find out. And Gurma, (laughs) they might be in for a little bit of a rough patch and Alex Morgan and and Sophia Jacobson, they might be in for a little bit of a tough one, um, during the extended international period, but it's, it is pragmatic in its own way, despite them being able to, op- like you said, open games up in a similar way Portland has been able to recently. Um, you look at Chicago, they are 100% a system team, and, mm-hmm. and they just have that one superstar that continues to, to change the game for them. And so very pragma- the other 10 players on the field, it's hyper-pragmatism, and then they let Mallory Pugh win games for them essentially they're all there to support her (laughs) in winning the game (laughs) yeah um which is it's kind of a it's a throwback um but i can't i can't certainly can't fault them i think it is the right choice when you look at that squad and you say how can we get the best how can we get the best results out of them yeah um i did not expect them to get through nine games with only one loss yeah um they are extremely tough to beat um I, i think they work. I mean, I'm closest to it because I see them live the most, but they work really hard. That yes. is a that is a group that is working their butts off from minute one to minute 90. And in the NWSL, that goes a long way. 
Yeah. If you can apply that for 90 minutes every week, you're going yeah. to make the playoffs, yeah. even if you're not good at anything else. And like you said, in Mal Pugh, they have, you know, arguably the MVP front runner, um, yeah. or at least in your top three, I think for just about anyone. Right. Um, and yeah, you, it, it is a throwback to an era of soccer where, um, I'm old enough where I'm like, I remember these teams where they'd set up in, you know, a four, four, two, where one of the forwards was a genius yep. and the other one was a big person yep. um, who mm-hmm. stood near the genius. And it sometimes was very good. Um, yeah. Not that Chicago, Chicago doesn't do exactly that, but um, yeah, they are set up to win games through Mal Pugh, which sounds like, well, we just have to take care of Mal Pugh and then we, we, we will win the game probably. And it turns out that's hard. It's um, really hard to do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> It's, yeah, a, it's a simple he, solution that is so difficult it, to do anything with. It's pretty cool to watch. And I think we see this. Maybe this is a good example. We should talk maybe individual front runners at, at this moment, right? We have Golden Boot Race. Uh, it's actually starting starting to uh, separate themselves a little bit. Pew did miss a couple games with a concussion. She's on mm-hmm. six goals. Um, Sophia Smith is on eight Alex Morgan is on 11, which is a very good pace, though obviously all three of those players are going to be missing some games in the next period here. And as we always know, we never know what condition players will return after mm. international duty. It is a famous body breaker to go do that. <laughs> so we'll, we'll find out what happens in the second half. Um, so maybe this is a good question for you, Jason. Alex Morgan, it's going to, I think it's going to be between. Alex Morgan and Sophia Smith for golden boot. I think Pew will likely not keep up, not because she can't, but just because like we said, the way Chicago is playing they're they're playing to win close games, not, not blowouts. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think golden boot should equal MVP this year so far? If you're doing like your kind of almost half of the season awards here. Uh, I'm, I still, like I said, I, when I said, uh, that I, I thought Pew was arguably the front runner, I think I would vote for her ahead of Morgan and Smith right now Mm -hmm. in part because I think she's been handed a harder task. Yeah. Right. Um, because San Diego and Portland are, there's a more varied threat there. Um, Pew is kind of having to carry Chicago to results in a lot of ways, as much as I I don't want to take credit away from, um, everyone else on that team, like you said, I mean, it's just quantifiably true, right? Yeah. Every result that they've gotten in the last couple of weeks has been due to either a pew goal or assist. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, um, I am very familiar. I'm close to an MLS team that is being carried by a small person who scores all of their goals and gets all of their assists. So I know this vibe pretty well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think pew is my leader at this point, but mm-hmm. you know, Smith and Morgan, if they come back and continue to just score at the rate they're scoring, um, you know, I always try and make sure when I vote for MVP, I'm not just looking at the goals list and, and saying like, well, that's your MVP because they scored. Um, but this, the way this year is playing out, I don't know that there's a dominant chance creator in to such an extent where I'm like, this is a player that needs to be talked about more or, a dominant six or a dominant center right. back or goalkeeper. It's a very um, different landscape than last year, huh? Cause yeah. we were talking about outside backs a lot last year. We were talking about defensive midfielders a lot last year. It's a little bit different. It's more of an attackers season this mm-hmm. year. Um, 
which is, yeah. which is nice. It's actually kind of nice after, after a year where we were doing a lot of sort of digging into the nitty gritty because people weren't really scoring that much. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's nice just to talk about goals and we got a lot of goals this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talked about the bottom half of the table, we talked about some of the teams that we thought could rise. Let's talk about if there's going to be room for some of these bottom table teams. That means we're going to lose some from our top six. Who to you, Jason, there's maybe an obvious answer. A- Angel City has has lost Kristen Press. Yeah. And unless they do something really drastic in the transfer market. I mean, Simone Charlie left injured against the mm-hmm. rain this weekend. It just too many injuries to a brand new team. It looks like it's going to be tough for them in the second half of the season. Um, is there anybody else though, that you think that you aren't, sh- that you think could possibly not have the result rate in the second half to keep up with maybe if you're anticipating a surge, perhaps from the courage mm-hmm. or the spirit. Um, the, you know, the teams I hone in on are probably Houston first and then Chicago. Yeah. Um, Chicago's way of playing, as you know, is extremely difficult and demanding. Um, And if that work rate falls a little tiny bit, or if Mal Pugh comes back and misses a couple games injured Mm -hmm. um, or or something like that, or she's just fatigued from the workload and ends up just not having the same form, um, that could be a big problem for them. Um, They're also just dealing with a short roster and it's not going to get longer. The defensive defensive injuries are a major concern there. And also, um, set piece goals last right. year, you and I talked a bunch about how yeah. they were the best set piece team in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, this year they are arguably the worst set piece team in the league. Right. Um, in in that, plus minus. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's a, that's a big difference maker. Um, as far as the dash go, um, they're about to change coaches for, you know, the second time this right. year, the third, you know, um, uh, Juan Carlos Amoros is coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big variable no idea what to make of what they're going to look like uh, when he comes in. Um, And there's also just sort of a weird um, erratic pattern of results with Houston. Right. Um, It's it's a similar team where it's hard to get the arc, right? Right. Um, Other than just, you talk about internationals uh, playing really well. Nichelle Prince looks great. Maria Sanchez looks great. Rachel Daly looked great before she left. Mm -hmm. They're losing all three of those. I mean, they've already lost Daly. Again, just top performers are, are stepping away. Mm-hmm. Um, for a little bit. Yeah. And, and there's the, the pattern of results is erratic, but also even the pattern of their games mm-hmm. sometimes feels erratic where this North Carolina game, um, I don't think they played well in the first half. Then right. they come out, um, they score a whole bunch of goals and then, but then they also nearly give the game away again. Right. Um, there it's a roller coaster with the dash, uh, from game to game and, and, um, it's it's chaotic and so the good news for them is that they're he- like it's peaks and valleys but the peaks are peaks they are mm-hmm. you know winning at Kansas City at Portland right um they they're one of the teams that ran up ran up the score on Orlando right um, so they are having these good results but they've also got you know they lose four nothing at home to Portland right um, that's that's one that at home four nothing against Portland seems pretty bad right um so I do feel like they're kind of all over the place. And I also wonder if the ceiling on the dash is limited as compared to the ceiling of the other teams I suspect will get into the playoffs. I think if the spirit and courage both play at their best, which open question on whether they can, whether those teams can manage that. Right. But if they do, um, then I think they are a better team. They are better teams than the dash. Um, But, you know, I will say Houston's got 15, 
and uh, the spirit have nine and the current yeah. seven. So yeah. we are talking about like, I would rather be in the Dasher's shoes. Certainly. 100%. Um, They're getting so, it done. Right. It's one yeah. of those things. I mean, it's like with both Chicago and Houston, it's like they, for the first, you know, kind of half of the season, they've, they've done their, done their jobs. Right. Um, and so it's kind of a, what if on what happens mm-hmm. next? So last question, I'm putting, I'm really putting you on the spot this week. I'm asking you all the questions. Um, OL rain. Now, I think all Rain is a playoff team, certainly, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're the talk, the talk of the town, the talk of the league are, are the acquisitions that the Rain are bringing in, right? Bring in Tobin Heath. Uh, more significantly, Laura Harvey said that she thinks Tobin Heath will be available pretty much immediately, uh, mm-hmm. recovered from, from her injury. Uh, bringing in Jordan Heidema, uh, which is a, both a position, it's a positional need as well as, as a very talented player. So that's, I'm sure, going to make an impact for them. Kim Little's coming in to shore up that midfield during the international period when Quinn and Rose Lavelle will be gone. Are they shield contenders to you, sight unseen, quote unquote, new reign? I'm, I have to say no. Yeah. Um, definitely a playoff team. But definitely not a shield contender. And my my thought process is basically that this is a team that plays. It's like first goal wins soccer. Right. Um, every game feels like a game where if they score one, they'll probably win one nothing. But if they concede one, they might not get on the board. Right. Um, because there's not a lot of diversity in how they go about games. Um, most of their attacking play is Sofia Huerta putting crosses into the box yeah. and occasionally. Rose Lavelle and Jess Fishlock combined, which is really cool. Right. It it's happens. like it's one time rare. they scored the one of the most magnificent team yes. goals in NWSL history, but that's hard to do every week, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and there's, there's a confirmation bias thing with the rain where yeah. they do do things like that. And you say, wow, what a great group of players playing a style of play. They all seem to enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see the fruits of all of that come to the fore on that, that, was it 22 pass team goal? Yeah. Um, that's great, but they've scored seven goals in nine games. Right. Um, and we can't only look at the one great goal or, you know, Huerta's had several assists on these great crosses she puts in and that's all well and good. But if that's all you're going to do, teams right. are going to figure it out. Teams right. are going to start um, playing a left winger and telling them your job may- basically today is to force Huerta inside, take away her right foot, um, and make her do something else. And right. when the rain have to play that way, it often seems like they get kind of bogged down. Um, their their games just kind of go by. And and there, I think there was I can't remember which game it was. There was a passing um, uh, network uh, by Ariel Drawer. She posted it on Twitter where you see the size of the circle and in, in indicates how involved the player is. And yeah. it's all their defenders have gigantic circles representing them, but it's all the color on the inside indicates how, how much they did with that. And all four are blue and you want red rather than blue. Right. Um, and it just kind of said, OL rain to me. It was like, wow, this is kind of the issue is that they'll keep the ball all day, but when are they goal dangerous? Um, right. You know, we also, there's also the concern about Bethany Balser came out yeah. of this last game yeah. with a, um, not, she looked like she was look, in serious pain, right? Yeah, it didn't yeah. look good. And, and yeah. you know, Laura Harvey didn't have an update, but she also, I have to say, reading into her. It was reaction, not a, oh, she's fine. It yeah, was precautionary. It, it was it not was a, that kind of. A, we don't yeah. have an update and I'm a little worried about it kind yeah. of reaction. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's 
there's a lot there. And also this is a team that is losing, I think 10 players in this window between the senior internationals and the U 23s. Obviously they did a very smart thing in saying like, we have to cover for our midfield losses. Um, We're losing all three of our starting central midfielders. Let's go get Kim little, our good friend from the past. Um, That's really smart. Um, If Tobin Heath is raring and ready to go, um, you know, you mentioned that, they suspect she's going to be available right away. But what does that mean? Does that right. mean 15 to 30 minutes uh, right. available? Or does that mean playing 90s? I think it's 15 to 30. Well, yeah, um, I mean, she hasn't played. She hasn't played a match in a very long time. She's going to yeah. have it's going to if she even does get to 90 minutes fit, it's not going to be right now. Yeah, right. Um. So, yeah, there, there's so much talent there. But I do think that there's there. Frankly, there should be some pressure on them to be a team that can leverage that talent a little more and not be so dependent on two things to produce their goals because if they start scoring a bunch then they are a real threat because right. they don't concede no um right. they are very organized defensively um even when they rotate even when it's not that you know Lavelle Quinn Fishlock trio when you get Olivia Vanderyad in there um or Nikki Stanton in there or if they rotate elsewhere they've been organized they've been able to keep teams off the board so they're going to be fine um if they start scoring, if they start finding sources of offense that are not just the two things that they do, um, which they have to figure out soon because um, those two uh, avenues are both uh, robbed of them. All of those players will be unavailable. Yeah, no, that's going to be, it's going to be really interesting. And, you know, you talk again, you talk about sort of putting the plane together uh, midair. It's also going to be a factor of, of how does this all mesh after all these players come back, who do you put on the field? How do you handle those rotations? How do you utilize your players that are a little bit younger and do maybe press a little bit more or can slip in behind a little bit more to create that diversity of, of Mm -hmm. attack. Um, And we haven't quite seen that yet. And I think it's a big, I think it's a big job. I think Laura Harvey sometimes creates these projects for herself where she, uh, has all these pieces to put together and, and, and of rain, certainly since they were uh, acquired by, by Leon have, have been this kind of a team, which is we're going to stack this team with so much talent and it will work because we've stacked this team with so much talent Mm -hmm. and it will be really interesting to see how that manifests because I find the rain very interesting because again, last year, arguably one of the best teams in the league no shield, no title, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's how do they turn that into winning an NWSL season is just the, the, the number one question for me at this moment. And I will say with them, I do want to give them credit for, you know, the way that they've gotten players to buy into yeah. um, a situation where a lot of them aren't going to be playing a ton um, and staying positive with that, you know, yeah. Ziara King on most, most teams is playing a lot more than she's playing for um, with the rain right now. Right. Um, she, she would be getting more frequent starts and more frequent minutes. And instead you, you almost, it's almost like, are we even going to see her this weekend? Right. Um, that's a tough thing for players like that to buy into. Um, so far, it seems like everyone's bought in on it. The, yep. the vibe is very positive. Everyone's pulling in the right direction. Well, and she's one of those players that's probably going to get a lot more time yes. with, with everybody else out. Um, but, but, but you know, what is that three or four games for them? Right. Um, before everyone comes back. Right. Um, 
So yeah, it, it's a weird situation to be in to keep, you know, it's good that they've kept everyone on board. You don't see anybody performing badly when they get their chance. Um, but yeah, they are a fascinating group in that I, on paper, the parts, it, it's a, it's an unbalanced assembly of a roster mm-hmm. where if they have any defensive injuries, I don't know what's, I mean, I know what they'll, who they'll bring in. I can, right. I can identify that. Um, but I think the drop-off is, is fairly significant in every single position. Um, and I don't know at that point, does that rob them of their organizational ability? Does it right. sort of all crumble the other way? So they are a team that I, I feel like, as much as their games are kind of the same, uh, there's a sameness to them. There's also a lot of variables coming down the stretch here for them that might, you know, I, again, I, I think they're in the playoffs, but are they hosting a playoff game? Maybe, uh, but maybe not. Um, yeah. Fifth or sixth might be it for them if they can't add something or if they lose something um, on the path here um, at the end of the season. And, and, it's doesn't. It's not going to be like oh, you know, six players got hurt um, and it fell apart. It right. could be one or two, um, which every team in the league deals with one or two injuries. Um, it just for them, it depends on who those players are. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first, fifth or sixth. Oh, all right. No, <laughs> it's hard to predict. I, I mean, famously, the NWSL yeah. is is very very difficult to predict. But we did our best, kind of looking at the tea leaves going into the international break. Uh, thank you so much, Jason, for joining me next time. It will surely be quite a bit of us women's national team chatter. And, and that will be true probably for the next couple of weeks. Um, we'll see what we're going to do when we're mixing, <laughs> trying to figure out what we're going to do with, with euros NWSL and, and CONCACAF women's championship, but we will figure that out when that happens. I have been your host, Claire Watkins, shout out to our producer extraordinaire, Jacqueline Purdy and our distributor blue wire podcasts. Thanks everybody for listening. We will be back with you next week.